This is The Social Geek Radio Network. And welcome to Social Geek Rockstars. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing consigliere. Do you struggle with giving advice? Or maybe you struggle with receiving advice? Today I'm getting advice about giving advice from franchise rock stars Kristen Pahachik, Andrea Parati, Sam Stonovich, and Derek Abel. Today's episode is brought to you by Answer Connect, Citroen Cooperman, and the discussion starts next after I grab another cup of Bigby coffee. Bigby coffee started with a single store in Michigan in March of 1995. One year later, on a handshake, Bob Fish and Michael McFall decided to franchise the concept. Bigby is on a mission to become 100% farm direct, bringing a name, a face, and a place to every cup of coffee served through the One Big Island in Space initiative. Interested in owning your own Bigby coffee? Begin building a life you love with Bigby coffee by visiting bigbyfranchising.com. And joining me now to talk a little bit about giving and taking advice are Kristen Pahachek of Massage Lux. Hey, Kristen, how are you? Hey, Jack. Long time no talk. I know. It's been it's been a hot minute since you've been on the podcast. Thanks for coming back. Andrea Parati from New Flex is joining us. Andrea, what uh, what side of the Atlantic are you on today? Uh, today I'm in Connecticut on the East Coast, and next week I will be in London and Cambridge. So I'm All right. To- be here with you all. Well, thank you for joining us while you're on the good side of the pond. Uh, <laughs> Sam Stonovich from Big Chicken. What's up, brother? Hey, we're just getting ready to uh, open some more restaurants, Jack. Thanks for including us today as we go on this uh, rocket ship journey. Yeah, you are on fire right now. How many units are you at right now? So we're a little over 27 open with our non-traditional venues, and we've got over 300 in the pipeline coming. Wow. And uh, we're getting ready to celebrate our two years of franchising. Nice. Good to hear, man. We'll keep it going. And uh, also joining us today, Derek Abelman from Northeast Color. How are you? So far, so good, Jack. It's a lovely New England summer. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a summer. Some of us are flooded. Some of us have a drought. Some places it's hot. I don't think any place is cool right now. So uh, it's a good time to be in the air conditioning and chatting about franchise stuff and relationship stuff and everything else that we like to talk about here. The idea of giving advice and taking advice to me sometimes is tricky. Sam, tell me, what do you like about getting or giving advice? Let's start with you. I I think, you know, in the hospitality business, this is all about a community. And the more we can share and engage with with each other, the more exciting it becomes. And I think people who are giving advice want to share their experiences. 
not necessarily just telling people what to do, but there's always a nugget in there that could be beneficial. And I think having those experiences with people give us that opportunity to learn, think about something different. And whatever it is, you can always choose not to record it in your mental brain, but you can choose to also expand. And it could be at that moment in time, something that you're learning or looking to learn, and somebody has something that really will benefit you. So let's talk about giving advice first. I would assume, Sam, you get a lot of people who look to you sort of like the, uh, you know, the bar rescue guy, you know, here's my operation, here's what's going on in my kitchen, here's what's happening in my restaurant. What, what advice can you give me, Sam? I would assume you hear that frequently. Sure. We, we get asked and, and I get asked for advice a lot and I like to share it because I think, again, many people have spent many of hours with me sharing and, and giving great advice and why not take advantage of that? Why not take advantage of those experiences? Because we all have them. And those experiences guided who we are and the journey in which we've came. And I would rather avoid making mistakes and hear about other people's mistakes along the way or successes for myself. And then giving those as well. Um, I teach at a junior college here in the Chicago metro area. So I get, get to give a lot of advice on a regular basis. And you can give and take that advice. But when you're giving it, it's really, for me, it's from the heart, right? Here are the things that I've tried. Here are the things that I failed. And I would rather have that open community. And I think that's what makes me who I am. And why we I have a lot of engagement on LinkedIn and different other social mm -hmm. areas because I'm willing to accept and understand and I'm willing to give. And hopefully that helps people along their journey as well. When you're giving advice, I know with your students, you're you're obviously in person back these days, I would assume. Um, but what about other operators or people in the franchise or restaurant space? Are you typically giving them you know, the things that they need to hear, maybe it's not such great news. Are you doing that in person or do you find yourself having to do it over the phone more these days than you used to? Or what's, what's really sort of your, your best platform for sharing some truth with people? Well, it depends on what the topic is and the relationship that I have with the person, right? I mean, this is the hospitality industry and sometimes you have to be the bearer of bad news so it, it depends on what it is and where you are. And, you know, now that we have Zoom, we get to at least look at each other's eyes and see reactions <laughs> and see what people are thinking. And it's nice that we're actually, you know, nobody's going to see this, but we all get to look at each other right now and, and see those reactions. Kristen, let's go to you. Let's talk about what kinds of advice you've been dealing out and, and maybe taking in lately. Are people coming to you for certain things? Maybe it's in franchise sales, franchise marketing, some area where where they're, they just want to pick your brain? Yes, absolutely. Advice is um, based off of perspective, right? Um, or perception. So somebody may have a different perspective or a different perception than you. Um, and they could be giving you advice that is either... Uh, to Sam's point, you're going to take or, or maybe not take. And when giving advice, I I'm a talker, as you know, right. And I want to be the one to talk the entire conversation and give the advice if sought. But what I think is really important is when you're giving advice to make it a two-way conversation and to ask open-ended questions about whether the advice that you're giving is applicable to that person's scenario. 
Um, and in the cases where maybe you're giving tough advice or feedback to ensure that you're pausing and letting that person react and, and to kind of flip that uh, second half of your question back, that's what I've had to really train myself to do when I'm getting advice, because it's my uh, tendency to respond in the immediate, right? As soon as I'm hearing something, I want to respond because I'm type A and I'm proactive. But what I've really had to challenge myself to do is take the 24 hours to really digest and to peel apart whether or not the advice that I'm getting is something that I want to follow or something that I believe could have value. Um, and maybe it's not full value. Maybe not all of the advice I'm getting is something that I want to, you know, put into action, but allowing myself 24 hours to really peel that back, it has been powerful. And then I usually come back with follow-up questions. And when I'm getting that advice, I want somebody to follow up with me um, to make sure that I'm following the advice. If I do decide that that's something I wanted to put into action. That's actually an interesting way to gauge if someone's really taking your advice or, or at least thinking it over if they come back with follow-up questions, because sometimes I, I think we give advice and you see a lot of people nodding their head and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, great, thank you. But they don't really think about it five minutes later. So if they come back with additional questions or, or they want to take a deeper dive into some of it, then at least they're paying attention and, and maybe you, you hit on something there. So I love that idea of the follow-up question. Andrea, what's, um, what's something that people are coming to you about these days, asking for your input professionally, personally, franchise-wise, anything? You know, mostly now it's all about revenue generation, right? It's all about profitable revenue generation. How do I get to predictable revenue in a very uncertain time? And so when I'm giving advice, you know, as my mother always says, there are many solutions to a problem. And oftentimes that leads to a lot of subjectivity. So when I'm giving advice, I always like to root myself in the numbers because the numbers always tell the story. So if somebody's saying to me, oh, which I'm hearing a lot, and especially in my category, we have tons of demand, but we're really getting hit hard from a price point standpoint in the world of co-working, in the world of flex work. And so what I like to do is I like to tell a story through the numbers. And so I try to dissect where they want to be from a from the endpoint, and then I think, what are all the milestones that they need to hit before they get to that endpoint? And look at their numbers and try to guide them through some tactics or ideas as to how they can affect a change. Because the numbers tell the truth, and, and quite frankly, most people don't want to hear my prescription right? They don't want to be, I learned this from my children. Good Lord, don't tell my children what to do. Give them a framework from which to arrive at their own answer. They've embraced it and then they get to create it on their own and execute it. So I like to tell my story, A, the story, right? <laughs> the story right now is how do I generate more profitable revenue? And the way that I provide that advice is by providing a framework of key milestones that they need to achieve in order to get there, and maybe some ideas as to how to solve, but mostly asking them their thoughts in terms of how they would solve. That's a really good coaching session because it feels like you're not just telling them what they should do, but you're helping them find the answer that they already know the answer to most of the stuff, right? You're just helping them develop it on their own. So it's actually their answer and their idea, not 
not yours. I, I like that idea because they're more likely to go with it if it's something that they help quote unquote discover, right? It is. And Kristen, I was really uh, thinking about your point about I we're, we're solvers, right? We know the answer. We want to go in. We want to run in. We want to solve it. And we probably could with our eyes closed in a lot of instances, not perfectly, but uh, but your your narrative about stepping back and waiting 24-7 really um, is critically important because you want, I think it, it does help if people discover the answer them, themselves. Derek, your business, Northeast Color, appears to me to be based on a lot of advice for clients, right? It, from, from what I've seen of your business structure, it's, it's you walking into an establishment and saying, here's how this could be better. Do you get a lot of pushback immediately from clients that say, wait a second, I don't know about that, or, or I hear this a lot. We tried that before in the past and it didn't work. Do you hear that a lot? Sometimes, yeah. I think that the giving and taking of advice is always involving the ego on whichever side you are, whether you're giving it, whether you um, want want to have some of that, please. Like, there's so much that, that, that you need to be ready to do, whether you're asking or, or giving advice. And, and I feel like the conversations that we have with our clients all has to do with what point of their journey they're on. Like, are you ready to hear this? Do you really want to know the answer to this? And there's this old saying, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? And so sometimes you're not ready to hear this. This It isn't the right moment for you to hear this advice, or you've tried it, it didn't work, it didn't work. And you may have understood that whatever it was that you were trying to do didn't work, and you need to abandon that. But there's something underneath that that is that is encouraging you to cling to that approach, right? And I think that a big part of our egos that that prevents us from learning and growing is that even if we're asking for advice, that asking part, right, you're soliciting, right, the two main categories, solicited, unsolicited, if you're soliciting that advice at some level, and is it true, you have to have the humility to acknowledge that you don't know the answer. Yeah. Deeply, you have to really say that because you can't learn until you do that. And if, and if you've you're ready to dismiss all of this other advice and, and pursue the, the tact you've, you've outlined, even though you know that you're going to get these same results, you have other work that has nothing to do with this particular problem. You're right. If you're not prepared and, and humble to receive the advice, it'll be very hard to deploy it. And I think there's also two types of people who are giving the advice, right? Those who genuinely care about you and what you're trying to do and accomplish, whether they have a vested interest in an opportunity or not, is really where you get the great advice from, right? People who are giving you advice because they don't necessarily have a dog in the fight, so to speak, as that analogy goes, versus those who are just trying to give you advice to direct you into some sort of conversation. Um, so I think those are the two types. And those, those who really care about me, who are trying to help me propel and, and move my machine faster, whether it's personal or professional, really have that, that opportunity. I love the idea of a board of advisors, Sam, just like you said, there's, I I've been involved in a couple of boards recently and, and it's, it's very, I guess, liberating to be able to share some ideas with someone on how to make their business better. And like you said, I have no dog in this fight at all. 
I, I'm not trying to get you to follow my agenda or buy something I'm selling or, or vote for the person I'm promoting or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, for your business, this would be a really good idea and take it or leave it. I think that's where you get really the most honest, genuine advice. And maybe it's free. Maybe it's sometimes something you're paying a consulting fee for. Uh, but really that is the best place to go. If, if you, if you need ideas as somebody who has no skin in this game. So I, I love that idea too. Well, and that's one of the powerful things about some of the franchise events that we all attend and love, right? Is those roundtable discussions or even the discussions while you're, you know, standing in the vendor trade show, right? Um, sometimes those discussions transpire with people that you would you have never met before, that you would have no chance to gain advice from. But because we're all in the franchising industry and have very similar challenges um, and successes, it's it's pretty powerful to be able to. Uh, have those conversations in person and then follow up on those conversations leaving the conference. To go off of that, I think that what, what's unique about franchising is that we are a knowledge-based community, right? Like we are all, the idea or the the concept of franchising spreads out through all of these different business verticals. And I, and I think being a supplier, being in a knowledge-based community within a knowledge-based community means that when if you're talking to a supplier you are you are really talking to like all of the other suppliers all of these other verticals all of these other data points that maybe don't directly relate to you but may have some value there may be some spark in there and and I feel like that the word advice is interesting too because I think when you stratify us into this business community um it sets up to me this these these two camps where advice to me seems like that that word suggests associating with that person's worldview or their personal knowledge or their personal wisdom and their value system and taking advice from someone, um, that advice carries that person's signature or their school of thought or something, right? So you kind of have to accept the messenger along with the message sometimes when it's quote unquote advice. I feel like what we share are more like pro tips, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're passing by, like, hey, pro tip, you want to do this, not that, right? That's different. That feels it's more objective. It's technical. And it can be partitioned from the giver of that pro tip. You know, I mean, like your uncle may be racist, but he could also teach you how to change a tire, right? So you can separate <laughs> the message from the messenger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can take what you want and leave the rest behind if it's a pro tip versus advice, which is tangled up in that individual. Well, you and I totally think, know my uncle too. That's the the cool the thing that, that that got me thinking, um, though, Derek, is that when you're giving advice, you have to the person who's receiving that advice, if they feel that you are also receptive to their advice, it puts you on a level playing field, right? And then it becomes a give and a take, and a and a yin and a yang. And I have. Uh, a, a, as we all do, a group of people who I can call about various topics and humble myself because it's that trusted circle. Because I know that at the same time, they, when they have a, a need, they're going to call me. And I, I think when you, there are a couple of different ways that you can do it. You come as equals in terms of thought leaders on a topic, still you can feed off of each other, or you can go to a mentor kind of relationship, which I 
you know, thankfully over, over the years, I've had several mentors who will just come over to me and put their arm around their sh- my shoulder and say, you know what I was thinking? You don't know this aspect of the business. Would you, I'm working on an interesting project. Would you like me to share that with you? You know, but, and then the, the trusted advisor role, Jack, where you may be asked and paid or, you know, to, because they really, as a group, realize that they have a problem. So I think also when giving advice, there are a bunch of different types of advice and different types of relationships that you can have um, that make the dialogue different. I, I think the best part about IFA, or one, or I won't say the best, one of the great things about IFA and the collection of people is that you meet people from other verticals, right? Mm-hmm. And we're doing similar things. And there's that red thread that, that brings everybody together. And when you start to be able to work with people outside of verticals, well, now you've brought a fresh set of eyes to the conversation. And now it starts to change the dynamic because it really is, it gives you the ability to take your, your, competitive hat off because you know Kristen and Andrea we're not competing for the same franchisee but we can talk about different issues but still be able to relate to each other because of the process and the things that go on and and how we're doing it and and Jack you know you bring us all together right because you're agnostic to any vertical right so whether it's restaurant or healthcare or print services Right. You bring the community together and now you're being able to have those conversations that we can learn and, and meet and engage with. And I think to to Kristen's point, the roundtables, the conference or whether it's, you know, a localized meeting. Now we can become stronger and faster together because we have all these different experiences. Yeah, that well, really I- is a, a strange thing or a, a beautiful, strange thing about franchising that I've not seen in any other industry I've been a part of where people from you know, maybe different verticals, sometimes maybe the same vertical are actually sitting at the same table, sharing ideas. I mean, uh, trust me, I was in broadcasting for years. You don't see that at all. That's more, you're going to get stabbed in the back or get your throat cut before somebody's going to share an idea with you. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is something that's, that's very unique. Um, as far as I know to franchising that people from all of these different sectors come together and just share things that normally they wouldn't share with people who who could someday be a competitor. Um, so yeah, it, it really is a great thing. Andrea? Yeah, well, I was going to say that is an absolutely brilliant uh, point, Samuel, because, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, Kristen, your business and massage and my business and co-working, what do they have in common? A lot, actually. There was fear coming back into the office. There was fear coming back in, coming back in for massage during the pandemic, right? Derek, there's fear of making the wrong color choice. There's, you know, there's parents, you know, Samuel, you and I still have to, on a per location basis, have to drive traffic into that location. We still want to show, you know, the store and store growth. And so you're a hundred percent correct. And when those collective minds come together from different categories, we really do elevate and and you're looking at it from different perspectives and different vantage points. It's um it's a very exciting thing that IFA has done to bring together these thought leaders. And I am envisioning myself on those round tables and just walking away with <laughs> so many incredible sound bites. Yeah. 
You're right. I think so too. I'm, I'm going to add to this because I am a big proponent of being together as a franchise community. I love it, obviously. Um, and I love being face-to-face with you guys, but I also think it's important to look outside of franchising at times mm-hmm. because inside the franchising community, we kind of get stuck in our ways and maybe miss out on some of the innovation that's happening outside of franchising. So I think this is a plug to, of course, harness the power of the franchise community, but also don't be blinded by what's happening outside of franchising, especially when it comes to like marketing and innovation, because we tend to be a little bit behind in that just as a a franchising community. And there are brands out there doing really cool stuff that we can learn from. Like Twitter rebranding to X after 17 years. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? That's uh, I, I was, I was uh, thrilled to see that. And um, just the response from people, you know, saying, Oh, that's a terrible idea. Or that's a great idea. It's like, Hmm. I wonder how much advice an Elon Musk gets, right? Or is this all just coming straight from his brain to your ears? Or did he actually, does he have, uh, a a little group of advisors or, you know, a kitchen cabinet, as we used to call it, of of trusted friends where he would go to and say, you know, I'm thinking about and then <laughs> and then take a step back to see, you know, if anybody comes up with with something better than he's thinking of. You would sure hope that he does, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few billion dollars on the line. So I'm hoping he's talked to a few friends. So, well, I mean, I think that's interesting to use that fellow is an example because I've heard him described as a disruptor, right? As some, as someone who comes into uh, an industry, comes into a business space and breaks with advice, breaks with this, like wants to cause waves, wants to cause um, friction because I, and, and, you know, I get that love or hate this dude, you know, or that type of person, there is a mythology around the person who goes their own way, who is the disruptor. And it's, it's obviously a very popular term. But I think what's being presented by that is to shake out, right, to, to again, you know, inveigh against whatever the, the common wisdom is or the authority and to shake out a new perspective to clear the horizon at some level. Whether that's positive or negative, there is some, I believe it's called creative destruction, where you burn the forest and now you have nitrate rich soil. And I, and I think that people that don't listen to advice that, that cause those waves can be valuable, right? They're kind of trickster people, right? They, they, they disrupt things and, and, and append some value systems, but, it, but I think it causes everyone else to take a different stand in light of those changes, right? Now you've seen that this common advice worked or didn't work. Did that confirm or, or deny your, your, position your perspective where does where does it stand and i I feel like um every industry every culture needs that from time to time it's often turbulent and painful but sometimes at the other end there's things have been stress tested right things have been revealed to be smoke and mirrors or maybe true and sometimes the disruptor himself is a smoke and mirror entity right it's not always real We'll be right back after a word from Citrin Cooperman. 
Citroen Cooperman is proud to be the home of one of the leading franchising practices in the country. With over 40 years of franchise experience, Citroen Cooperman provides a full range of services to a vast number of franchise concepts. They work with the owners, operators, controllers, and CFOs of a wide range of franchisors and multi-unit franchisees to help them establish their brands and grow their businesses to the next level. The franchise practice is comprised of experienced CFE-accredited professionals, providing guidance and insight to minimize uncertainty, meet compliance and contractual obligations, and stay focused on building their businesses. For more information, please contact Aaron Chaitovsky and Michael Iannuzzi at CitroenCooperman.com. You know, to your point, is, is it a disruptor or is it a pioneer? Is it somebody who, in the case of Twitter, have there been brands in the past that have thought about rebranding, but just didn't have the courage to go all in, right? So so at some point in time, do you need that motivation? Or again, someday I'm sure we'll get advice from Elon on why he did this, how it happened, and in a year or two, we'll probably have some master's thesis somewhere going the, the either pro or, or or negative of taking a 17-year brand and flipping it on its head, right? So it'll be very fascinating to watch. You know, some some have that ability to do those things and, and some are in legacy opportunities or brands that will never be able to do that, right? But it'll be very fascinating. I mean, give it an example in the in the in in the restaurant industry right now of Burger King who's going to go through a rebranding and is it going far enough to attract the new consumer or not? But does that encourage us all to think differently? Or as, as they would say at, fa- at Facebook, you know, if you're going to fail, fail fast, right? Yeah. It's interesting that most advice, and, and I was just thought of this while you were both speaking, most advice you get from your business associates will be, not disruptive, right? It will be kind of conventional wisdom, conservative. Yes, you should maybe go with, you know, a, a darker blue color and not, you know, this other color, right? It'll it'll be something like that. Most advice you get from your friends and colleagues won't be, you know what, you should blow this whole thing up and start over. And wouldn't that be cool? And, and I think that's what a lot of us want to do with a brand, especially if it's a new brand to you, you want to just erase everything that happened in the past and start over. I know I've done that a couple of times and, um, and it's a lot of fun and it's really exciting and interesting. It's, it's way more interesting than, you know, being conservative and just kind of doing what people have done before, but that's not most of the advice you get. And, and maybe, maybe we seek out advice from people who are going to either reel us back in or push us forward. So maybe the the person that I'm going to for advice, I'm actually stacking the deck a little bit because I kind of know what she or he is going to say to me. When we seek advice, often we're seeking approval of some kind. We want to be confirmed in, in what we what we believe. And I think that it it then behooves us to go subconsciously to the people that are going to reinforce our worldview that to your point are going to be conservative that are going to help us keep what we have in some cases and and the idea that we have a board we have an advisory board and if they started advising us to burn it all down i think we would be like um uh, (laughs) really we have all these 
payroll things. <laughs> I don't know about burning things today, but um, but yeah, I, it, it is like I think, and to reframe it as a pioneer versus a disruptor, any of any of those things really speaks to what are some of the motives behind this, the what we're seeking when we're looking for advice, um, and and I think it's always very loaded. But I think you're right. And I think as you're giving the advice, you I think we're all salespeople here. We all know how to read the room. We all know how now how to win over a room. And the thing is, is that as you're giving the advice, you need to be able to respond to the 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 receiver of that advice. And I like to blow things up, right? I'm an extremist. I am, you know, but I recognize and I'll offer that extreme idea and then recoil, you know, recoil and then ease it in. And sometimes you have to drive, have extreme thoughts to drive incremental change. And I think not being knowing who your audience is and knowing when you have the opportunity to drive that extreme thought that. I like to try it because I just like <laughs> I just get a big thrill out of it, but I also know that I'll pull back and then provide incremental ideas as opposed to that extreme thought. You got to play your audience with it, with advice, uh, not in a bad way, in a way to deliver to them what they need uh, at the end result. Well, Jack, I think you have to think about who who's in your network, right? Are, do you have those friends, colleagues who will give you and you will give them that honest advice that's no holds barred that you can be, as Andrea said, in that trusted circle and be able to say anything and everything. And you can debate it. You may not like it. And then you can take it all in, digest it, and then go have a beer, a glass of wine together and and and, and beyond, right? Because they gave you, whether it was hard, positive, negative, that true, honest feedback from where they're coming from. And those are really your trusted advisor. Right. Those who aren't scared to kick you in the ass when you're acting silly or stupid or you're not getting stuff done and hold you accountable. Right. Because at the end of the day, you have to hold yourself accountable. And if you have those few around you that will also do that and support your accountability, man, you're able to move and be much more successful faster. And you grow together because those people are also going to celebrate you when you've made that. And you've made that achievement. And that is the rewarding part of being part of the village together. I'm not surprised at all because it feels like this happens every podcast that we do. But I think we have a whole other podcast topic that we need to add to your <laughs> list, Jack, in regard to when to drive extreme change, a.k.a. blow things up. Okay. All right. Coming in <laughs> September, blowing things up right here on Social Geek. No, I. that's so true, Kristen, because... Um, you know, we tend to, um, we tend to go down a few rabbit holes here and, but that's, that's kind of the way I like this conversation to, to just keep, keep, you know, loading up the next conversation. And, um, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up today with, with a question that I I'd love to get everybody's feedback on. If you have some advice to give to, let's say it's a, a colleague, a good friend, who's also maybe in the same industry that you're in. Um, and maybe it's some advice that you don't think they will want to take or or they will want to hear, uh, but it's something that you really want them to think about. Does anybody have a good way to start that conversation? 
when I'm giving advice that I feel like people don't want to hear, it really turns more to feedback, right? It's more of a mm-hmm. feedback than an advice thing. And I think that when somebody is receiving feedback, there's always a way to play on the strength. And this is not a new phenomenon, right? You hear this all the time. You There's two sides to receiving feedback. There's the side where you tell them that whatever you're giving them feedback on is also a strength, but that it plays itself as a weakness in a certain regard, right? Um, so that's usually how I approach. I don't think that that's unique. I think most people will kind of shit sandwich it. Can I say that on a podcast? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) You're not going to bleep me out. No, Um, not at all. (laughs) But you kind of give them the good. Then you give them a little bit about what they need to focus on or their advice or feedback. And then you give them the good again. I mean, I try to frame it as like an observation, similar to the, like the same thing with the feedback. I try to be very judicious about it and, and, I have a tendency to continue talking. So I try to be brief with it because the longer I talk, the more I'm either going to drift from the message that I'm actually or or water it down a little bit. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause it's uncomfortable. So you just want to like flood the zone with language or the sandwich, you know, like (laughs) let's just, let's just hypnotize you with talk. And then somewhere in there was what I wanted to say. I try to be really brief and to the point and then let it, let it go. And then be like, and that's just, what I have observed. Yeah, I try to I try to really hone in on that exact point that I need to address because sometimes we want to swallow the ocean. And so I try to really hone in on the point that I want to address. And I hate to say this, but I'm either I'm going to remove any subjectivity from it. Because if it's subjective, there's wiggle room. And who cares about my opinion, quite frankly, it's mine, right? So I'll lose every time if that person doesn't want to receive the advice. So I'll either root it in some sort of fact. I'll root it in the numbers. I'll root it in if I have a human resource issue. I'll root it in the you know the code of conduct within within the organization, um, or refer back to the job description or whatever. But I'll always try to root it in fact or what's going on from a macro environmental standpoint. You know the trend is this. We're doing this. So I remove subjectivity and really hone in on solving the core problem. Stan, we'll close out with you. Any uh, any thoughts on how you would approach that person and, and maybe how would you kick off that conversation? I, I think you just have to be open and honest and hopefully you have that strong relationship and everybody hit the points on the head and you could see the, the red thread in this conversation. Be direct, remove the emotion, Give the bullet points right off the bat, right? And and I think you may want to also include the why. Why am I having this conversation? Because it is a hard conversation, right? I'm having this conversation because I care about you and your family and your business. I'm not having it because I want something else to do in my life or extra work. I'm giving it because I care. So I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I just got to tell you right now, here's what's got to happen, Right. And then you can take it or leave it. But at the end of the day, you know that you've done the best for somebody else and you can sleep well at night because now you don't have that hanging on your conscience that, oh, I should have told Derek, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? And then something happens and then you have this regret. You want to live without regret. So how do we help the community? How do we help the village? And how do we we move it? And sometimes it just has to be, you know, perceived as a negative and at times that negative can turn around and be like that pivotal moment in somebody's career that 
man, it all of a sudden clicked, snapped, and and all of a sudden rocket ship away into success. And you, you look back 10 years from now and go, boy, I really appreciate Kristen for telling me that I should have done X, Y, and Z. Before we go, a quick word from Answer Connect. Everyone has a phone, but not everyone is answering the phone correctly. When you spend marketing dollars to grow your business, you cannot afford to miss any calls or answer the phone with, hey. Answer Connect is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to support new business, current clients, or urgent calls, and they send messages to you immediately. They integrate with many of today's popular CRMs, taking advantage of technology and taking one more thing off your to-do list. In addition to taking calls, they set appointments, follow up on potential clients via form fill inquiries, and make outbound calls for reinvigoration campaigns. Let Answer Connect work in your business so you can work on your business. Call Answer Connect at 800-584-0234. That's 800-584-0234. Or visit answerconnect.com slash franchise. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network.